Hello, everybody, and welcome to We Can Do Pod Things. I am Annalise. And I'm Emily. And we are here today to talk to you about We Can Do Hard Things, the podcast by Glennon Doyle. And we basically just go over an episode and talk about what resonated with us, what made us go, hmm, and what made us go, oh my God, Jane Fonda is our spiritual connection. Mm, We love her. Uh, BT dubs, I want to throw in. The podcast is Glennon Doyle, Abby Wambach, and sister Amanda Doyle. We love all three of you. Yes. Uh, Also, uh, we now have a Instagram that you can follow. Hit them with the socials. We're legit, y'all. What's the, what's the, where can they find us? We can do pod things at we can do pod things on Instagram. And you can also email us at podthingspodcast at gmail.com. All right. You ready? You ready to get into it? Let's do this. So uh, our listener quote of the week comes from Craig, where he basically says that our friendship is our thing. And so he wants to hear more about our friendship. So we will be working more into- Give the people what they want. What the man wants. (laughs) Um, And our quote of the week that made us go, hmm, I saved this- Recently, but not, but actually back in November. And it's, the quote is by Lauren Alex Hooper. And it says, and you, you scare people because you are whole all by yourself. That's the most recent quote I have saved. And I think that it's pretty fucking relevant to today's episode. Yeah. All right. Let's get into it. Do you want to start or do you want me to start? I feel like you should start because the one that I'm really going to go in on is about 15 minutes into the episode. And I know that there's a lot of good stuff before that. So you start with what you've got. Well, I started right off the bat mm-hmm. when she said, I think eating disorders happen in the presence of inauthenticity. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, okay. I think that I think there's something there. I think when we are have a a different perception of what we should look like Mm -hmm. or what we should feel like or what our bodies should do, then that's where the eating disorders kind of prey on us. Do you have any personal... I mean, what a complicated history for the divine Miss Fonda. I think it's a complicated history for many women too. Yeah. But yes, especially for Jane Fonda. I mean, her mother completed suicide when mm-hmm. she was, I think she said 12. Mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, the episode that we are talking about today is the most <laughs> recent episode or well. Uh, there's been one there's since. Been one it's, since. The, it's the Nexium one. We're listening to, uh, we're talking about what, what the, or what is it called? Jane fucking Fonda. Mm-hmm. Yeah. WTF Jane fucking Fonda. Period. Exclamation point. (laughs) So back to the thing. Mom committed suicide. Trigger warning. This does talk about eating disorders, suicides, and... Hard things. Hard things. Yes. So her mom completed suicide. She found out many years later that her mom was a victim of sexual abuse and trauma as a young young girl. Mm-hmm. We're so Jane circling, herself. So circling back to that. By yeah. The way. Jane herself also was a victim of sexual abuse before her mother died. I think, I think she said that it was before her mom died. Mm-hmm. Her father was quite famous, Henry Fonda. Um, so she was exposed to being a public figure right off the bat. Mm-hmm. I mean, just so many things, the expectations to be perfect. And the absence of her mother. And he, she talks about her dad married, remarried Five fairly times. quick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he would never make the comments to her, but 
or he might make the comments to her, but he just as often would make the comments to her stepmom about you need to control the way that she's dressing or the way she looks. Don't let her wear this. Don't let her wear that. I had to remind myself that we give people grace and generosity because I love Henry Fonda. I love him so much. He, you know how I love my old Hollywood stars. (laughs) I don't know if you've ever seen On Golden Pond with Henry Fonda and Jane. It's fiction. I do think that I've seen that. They play a father and daughter who have a strained relationship. Hmm. And I mean, you can just see that reality creeps in Mm -hmm. towards the ending. And then she, I believe, he got an Academy Award for that role and she accepted it on his behalf because he had died by then. Oh, wow. And so as I was saying, I love him so much. And to hear that he was so critical of Mm -hmm. her was painful. This is, again, two things can be true. Mm -hmm. You can, he could have been a good human. Yeah. And also done some bad stuff. Yeah. Or or missed steps, missteps. Sign of the times, right? Yes. I mean. When we know better, we do better. It was a different time. And back then, his goals for her were probably that she would attract a good man. That's how women took care of themselves. Mm -hmm. And maybe also he didn't want her to maybe be in Hollywood because he, I don't know. Yeah. I, I can imagine. I wouldn't, if I really loved and cared about my kid, I wouldn't want them to be in that environment. And yet both of his children ended up pursuing that environment. So maybe, and and I have no, I'm literally just. Speculation. Speculating. But um, she, and she talks about later in the episode about her dad taking these roles that were more like advocacy roles mm-hmm. or um, outspoken or, or whatever. So, and that being the ones that he was attracted to because that was the kind of person that he was. And that gave her the passion for her activism. And then, so it is kind of hard to reconcile this to the two sides of the coin. Mm-hmm. Of him. Well, I mean, it's not that different from later in her life when she realizes that even though she's been this passionate advocate for other people, Mm. that she has been in these marriages and these relationships that she describes as, well, they were never democratic. Yeah, uh, that's uh, (laughs) spooky. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That was um, one of my next lines. Um, Going back to the eating disorder. I've always associated the eating disorders with the need for control. And then I have, does that align with disembodiment or disassociation? And I think it does. I do too. I think it, I think, I think they're parts of the same tree Mm -hmm. branches. Control is something that we search for when we are being inauthentic Mm -hmm. because we can't be authentic. Right. And so we're going, we try to control that image of what other people see. Yeah. Um, And then it says never having a democratic marriage or relationship. (laughs) Those were my (laughs) next notes. And damn. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I also have written, if that's what you're afraid of showing up for fully for another person, that, that when she said that if that's what you're afraid of showing up wholly for another person fully then you're not going to be in an authentic mm-hmm. relationship and how scary that is um and I, these things all became clear to her in what she calls i think her third act right. she was like in her 60s mm-hmm. when she started to really take a hard look at this stuff and then she was generous enough to share it with us so that we don't have to reach our 60s before we know some of these things. We love you, Jane. Uh, she's like 82, right? She's 85. 85? Mm-hmm. I, um, if that's what you're afraid of, showing up fully for another person, I'm, I clearly really thought about that a lot. The most frightening thing in a relationship or anything, being vulnerable and showing up and letting someone see who you truly are and giving them the ability to reject you. That is, in my experience, the most frightening thing about a relationship, whether it's a romantic relationship or a friendship, a relationship with your parents, a relationship with your kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we don't like it. No. But we don't want it. apparently, in order to have a real, genuine, democratic 
egalitarian relationship, Mm -hmm. that's what you have to do. I was really hopeful when Glennon asked at one point, do you have any tricks or tips? Oh, God. she said, there are no shortcuts. There are no tricks. You just have to do the work. I I don't think I wrote it down, but that was definitely something that I was like, nope, no tips, Mm -hmm. no tricks. It's hard work. Yeah. You just got to do it. It's kind of like you get what you give. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of the next part of what my notes said was that then you settle for partners who also can't show up. And you can only be known. Remember, we talked about this meme that you may or may not have posted. We never really got to the bottom of that. (laughs) But it was something like you can only be known by someone else as much as you're willing to know yourself. The Brene Brown quote. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, That you can only, yeah, you can only belong as much as you know your and belong to yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And then then what you get is this inauthentic relationship that's still has some reward to it, but it just doesn't quite hit the spot. And you're just like... Eh. Mm-hmm. What are we doing here? And that's the kiss of death. And she tried a couple times to shift that in her relationships. Mm-hmm. She says, I realized after I had gotten deep enough into these relationships, I really love this person. I want to have a real, a genuine connection with them. And she says they didn't like it. No, because they didn't. It, she what? That wasn't the person that they fell in love with. Mm-hmm. That resonated a lot with me, given my relationship history. How, when you want to try to recapture that, whatever that was mm-hmm. <laughs> in the beginning, whatever mm-hmm. that is, and then you're like, oh, but wait, I it's because I have to be a way that I'm not really, mm-hmm. and that the wounding that comes from that rejection of, look, now that I'm showing you my shit and you're like, oh, hell no, I'm not interested. How deeply that hurts. Mm -hmm. But you also, I mean, it's nobody else's job. Yeah. To love your mess, especially if you don't love it yourself. And if you're hiding it in the beginning of your relationship, do you love it? Yeah, you're right. It's that relationship in a freeze Mm -hmm. sort of dynamic. I wonder if it's even harder for actors to stop performing in their personal lives. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that isn't that maybe a little bit what draws us to theater is that escape from reality Mm -hmm. and that um, ability to be inauthentic to the nth degree. Yeah. Completely assume a different identity and do things that we wouldn't normally do. And you might think that it would be kind of like, oh no, that's how I remember to pick up my kids from school. <laughs> Did you- Don't worry, everybody. I got my kids from school already. <laughs> they even got to go to the store to get root beer. <laughs> it's a five star day. Um. Oh, so I wonder, or you might think that for an actor, it would kind of be like scratching that itch Mm. by performing, Mm -hmm. but it isn't enough. Yeah, no. And for people who are inclined in that way, is it cathartic or is it just convenient? Mm -hmm. And if you are using it as a catharsis or an outlet, because you can't be authentic in your real life, mm-hmm. then it's not going to be a healthy coping mechanism. For all you very famous actors who are listening, we'd love <laughs> to hear from you. Clooney. Yes. Yeah. Julia, Julia Roberts. Roberts. <laughs> we'll be talking about you later on in this episode, so stay tuned. Yeah, you know, all of the famous people that flock to hear what two Midwestern well-educated women (laughs) have to say about Glennon Doyle's podcast. Yeah. Uh, 
I think this is probably an okay time to talk about this. I think we're going to do a little bouncing back and forth. She talks about relationships later on in the episode about she was in relationships with men who were teaching her what she needed in that phase of life. Mm -hmm. And I think she very diplomatically did said that as a way to kind of turn back around something that Glennon had said, where she was like, uh, she and sister had been reading one of her books and um, Amanda said, was it that she was a chameleon or was she just picking partners that matched her energy at the time? Mm-hmm. And I don't think that Jane agreed with her. Jane. Yes, Jane. What am I doing? Jesus. I don't think Jane agreed with that. I think, though, that she did turn that into this lesson of they were teaching us what we needed to in that phase of life, that relationship. I, I went with the relationship that showed me what I needed. Mm-hmm. And that kind of reminded me of something you had told me. I had, I was about six, seven months post the worst breakup of my life. And I started seeing someone. And I was just kind of panicking a little bit about like, I don't know. I don't, how are you supposed to know if you like, this is the person that you want to be with for the rest of your life? Like, how do you know? And you said, does it have to be the relation, the reason that you're in this relationship is because it's the person that you are with for the rest of your life? Maybe, but it could also just be that this relationship is the one that teaches you how to be loved. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of, that's stuck with me. And that's, I think, a lot like what she's saying, because that relationship that I had, that had ended, that was devastating. I, I guess I would say that kind of, that whole relationship was what started my second act, mm -hmm. my 2.0, because I was learning a shit ton about my needs how I get those needs met. If those ways are particularly healthy, um, emotional manipulation mm -hmm. and uh, emotional maturity, <laughs> generosity, <laughs> lots of things in a relationship. And I, I would not have learned those things if I hadn't been in a relationship with that specific type of person. And I am, a thousand times grateful for having learned those lessons, but your girl could have dealt with a little less pain because <laughs> that shit hurt. It was not pretty, but growth sometimes isn't pretty. Right. Probably it usually isn't pretty. Yeah. I mean, when you think about like a, a fetus developing in the womb, that shit ain't pretty. I was just thinking like a flower when it blooms. Oh, how pretty. But this was not a flowery no, experience. This was not a flower <laughs> moment in my life. This was that goo mm -hmm. that caterpillars turn into before they turn into butterflies. That's exactly what it was. And I might still have some of that goo on me. However, I do feel like I'm in a lot better place. So, yeah. <laughs> Anything else to add to that? I'm just thinking about... That was a time of so much learning and growth. It was almost overkill of learning and growth. Like for me, are there ever times where you forget how to just live yeah. without thinking through what is motivating me here? What am I going back to the Enneagram? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so I'm a two. And in times of growth or integration, I have more characteristics of a five. I like this growth description better than integration because it's not necessarily inherently good or bad. Mm -hmm. Growth is not necessarily always. Growth isn't always healthy. You're not always your healthiest when you're growing. You're working on being your healthiest. Mm -hmm. 
just like we said, growth isn't always pretty. A five, I believe they're called the investigator. I think you're right. And that is someone who will investigate their feelings. Something to death. Yes. Yes. And I saw a TikTok the other day where this girl was like, my therapist called me out and was like, are you feeling your feelings or are you, she's, are you intellectualizing them in order That's to exactly avoid feeling it. your feelings? Yeah. And that, what, that is a lot of what I would do. When you overcorrect so much that you are exclusively in your head mm-hmm. and not in any other part of your body. Mm-hmm. Then you can't be whole. Mm-hmm. But that was kind of, that is a lot of what I did, but that it ended up being okay because I was able to to use other strategies mm-hmm. and, and access some of my more two side and some of my eight side. Yeah. Um, big, big shout out to my therapist, Laura and Holly. Um, yes, I have two therapists. One was on maternity leave and that's what I'm going with. <laughs> <laughs> um. I did research. I'm like, okay, cool. So I have a problem with perfectionism. Let's go to Brene Brown and see what she has to say about perfectionism. I have an issue with um, belonging. All right, let's go with that. I have an issue with emotional immaturity. Let's listen to a book on that. I almost exclusively listen to audiobooks because I... Do not have the fucking time to sit down and read a book. Also, ADHD as you get older is real bitch. But I think that I did fairly well at doing the research and then not just stopping there, then forming my hypothesis and participating in the actual experiment and and treatment plans and all Mm -hmm. that. But yeah, there definitely was a time where during that whole thing, I couldn't just be goo. Yeah. I felt like I was constantly trying to make the goo do something. Or make this mean something. If it's going to hurt oh, right. this much, right. make it mean something. <gasps> make it mean all the things, right. you know? Yeah, maybe this is because we're soulmates and and this person just it, – it's it hurt this bad because it means something. And like – Maybe it does. Maybe it means you're growing. It doesn't necessarily have anything to do. It doesn't have to have anything to do with the other person. Yeah. I think you and I also have different feelings (laughs) specifically, but we don't have to go into that. It's a little more transparency and vulnerability than y'all have earned right right now. Love ya. George Clooney does not need to know about that much about my dating life. Sorry, George. I, I mean, George knows a thing or two about relationships I and breakups. I bet he does. <laughs> bet he does. Let's talk, if we can, about Jane's most important relationship, the one that she has with herself. You see what I did there? I see what you did there. I, as soon as I heard her say this, I was getting my car worked on that morning. I picked up my phone. It was three seconds after she said it. And I fired off a text to you. And I was like, I need you to listen to this immediately. (laughs) I said, by the end of this podcast, I'm going to be face down immobile on the floor. Mm -hmm. Because this just, it, it landed for me. Because we had just talked about this on the Enneagram episode Mm -hmm. when we discussed how being Jane calls it embodied, integrated, whatever word you prefer God, to use. And I love how then Glennon used remember. Mm-hmm. <gasps> mm-hmm. Like that was that's clever. Well that was so perfect. It really is because if you believe in the Christian faith and the idea that you existed as this soul in heaven before you existed in your earthly body, then you were whole and perfect Mm. before you got here to this freaking hellscape. (laughs) And society 
absolutely ruined you. Can we talk about where she she talks about the Bible verse? Yes. She says that she was just beginning this journey. She had just left her third marriage. She's staying in her daughter's home. And she has this moment where she starts to feel herself coming back to herself. Yeah. And and she recalls this verse, a uh, Bible verse, that... Uh, I have it. You have it? I do. Ah, look at you prepared. Because I'm telling you. And this very much vibes with my current one of my current affirmations and mantras, which is when you live in alignment with your authentic self, mm-hmm. the people who are meant to be in your life will come. Yeah. They will, you won't have to inspire them. You just, li- you just do your thing. You live in alignment with your true self. There really is something to like the energies that you put oh, out. thousand percent. Attract. Yes. Likewise. Yes. Actually, I, there was a TikTok that I had seen that was like how to get anyone to be obsessed with you. And he just like held up a mirror. Mm-hmm. And he was like, when you wave at the mirror, the mirror waves back. If you want someone to be obsessed with you, you have to be obsessed with you. You have to love you. And mm-hmm. you have to know that what you're doing is the right thing. And who you are and love yourself. If you want to attract people that genuinely love you. It sounds easy. So Jane is standing there. She begins to feel herself returning to herself. And she says, this is God. Mm. And she knows with absolute certainty in that moment that this is returning to something divine within herself. And she quotes a verse that has been interpreted mm -hmm. as, you have to be perfect like our father in heaven is perfect. I think, and also perfect, uh, often the word is holy. Mm-hmm. H-O-L-Y. Well, she she recalls that and she says to herself, that can't be right. It's not perfect. There's no way that's it. Mm-mm. And then she does some research and she discovers that in Aramaic, which was the language that Jesus spoke, it is translated as you have to be whole. Mm. Like our father in heaven is whole. That stopped me in my fucking tracks. Mm-hmm. I was raised in a Christian environment, in a, uh, a conservative Christian Baptist home, church two to three da- days a week sort of thing. You and were the one who told me that there are um, nail colors. Or, was it nail colors or Oh, nail shapes, the holy nail Yes, shape. that was what, it. Yes, that was one of our uh, Wednesday night Girls only youth group um, educations was which nail shape was the most holy. Which one was it? Um, like, like oval. Nailed it. Yeah. Do you see, nailed, <laughs> Tra- nailed it. Hey, hey, Double hey. entendre. Oh, also, sorry about that. We are just all kinds of weird right now we set lots of reminders for ourselves because we're a little scattered at times it's how we adhd it's how we cope with this inability to perceive any time Mm -hmm. or remember anything like when to pick our kids up or when the neighborhood meeting is um you were talking about holy nail shapes yes before i got you into the nail shapes but fyi if you have pointy nails you're basically devil's spawn sure (laughs) (laughs) i don't as much fuck with religion anymore (laughs) as i used to Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean that i don't believe in a in a higher power or god or the divine i'm just as likely to believe that we are all god in one form or others. But so I really appreciated the way that she put that because that that can align with anyone's specific religious beliefs. And just the just we have to be whole as he is whole. That was just that was big for me. That was something I had to stop and think about. That kind of rocked me a little bit. 
because that requires us to go back and think about the parts of ourselves that we don't necessarily like, that we don't love. The interesting parts is what she called it. And yes, I had that in my notes. And and go back and look at the the ugly stuff too. Mm-hmm. She says, I put my interesting and complicated self over there. Um, she said those people could be complicated and interesting, but you those people was that referring to her husband? Her husband's, yeah. Everyone else could be complicated mm-hmm. and interesting, but I couldn't. I wonder if Jane I wonder if Jane's A too. Because that gives off some helper vibes where it's like, I'll help you, I'll help you, I'll help you, mm-hmm. I'll help you, but I ain't going to ask anyone for help. And you know what's wild is that she was actively not trying to be complicated or interesting. And she is one of the most compelling, yes, interesting women in recent history. Yeah. And to be whole, you have to... Look at that and and reconcile with that and deal with it. I wrote, I sometimes think I wanted the other person to embrace their complication so I wasn't facing mine alone. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with that either because you just want someone who's in the same phase of life as you so that you could do it together. And she talks about that too with advocacy. Mm-hmm. Get, join, do, don't try to do it alone. Do it in a group. And we can get back to that. But I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But obviously that you have to face yours. Mm-hmm. You can't just be facilitating someone else's transformation and ignoring your own. That's not going to work. Which is super tempting if you're a two. Mm-hmm. If you're a human, but particularly if you're a two. Getting back to a, walking it back a little bit to where she t- talks about her in those relationships. She talks about her daughter saying, why don't you just get a chameleon and let it walk across the screen? And she talks about that a lot, being a chameleon, because she just took on whatever the characteristics were of the person that she was with at the time. And that immediately made me think of Runaway Bride. Which I still have to watch. Julia, <laughs> we're looking at you. <laughs> I'm looking very angrily at Emily, just so you know. I went and watched it mm-hmm. the other night and I sent you a text message because I was like, holy shit, I've seen this movie like a billion times. And this particular scene just really hit a little different than it usually does. But I've talked about this before. I had talked about this with someone that I'd been in a relationship with where for me, the thing that's always stood out about that movie was the eggs. And she didn't know what kind of eggs she liked in the morning. And she always just picked whatever kind of eggs guy that she was with liked. Mm -hmm. I'll just have what he's having. And Then her transformation during the movie where she just tries all of these different kinds of eggs. (laughs) And I, I've all, and actually Eat, Pray, Love is another Julia Roberts movie Mm -hmm. that I also vibed with because it had that same sort of. She realized that she was becoming whatever her relationship demanded of her Mm -hmm. each time. And so she had to, to go and find herself. And mm-hmm. so that was the whole eat, pray, love thing. And, and there are maybe things that people have to say about that. But um, those have always been a big fear of mine in relationships, losing myself and just not doing, being authentic. Having to eat someone else's soggy, disgusting eggs. eggs. Yep. That's, that's it. I just don't want your eggs. <laughs> and that goes back to trust. Mm-hmm. That goes back to I don't trust my own instincts enough to know when I am forsaking myself. But then I watched it again. And I – there's this scene in in Runaway Bride. Obviously, the premise of the movie is that every time she goes to get married, she doesn't make it to the altar. She talks about 
I was walking down the aisle, walking towards someone who had no idea who I really was. And that was only half their fault because I had spent the entire relationship trying to convince them that I was what they needed. And she says, so it's good that I didn't do that, didn't go through with it. She had that flight instinct kick in. Okay. She knew she was about to deny or forsake her abandon authentic herself. self, abandon her authentic self. And then obviously then she falls in love with Richard Gere's character and he sees her for who she really is and how good that feels. But then she was like, then when I'm walking down the aisle and it was you, you knew exactly who I was, but I didn't. And how that also made her bulk mm -hmm. and run and how important it was for her to see herself and know herself and be whole and embodied before she could be in a relationship with someone else. Mm -hmm. And that, was big kind of like thing for me because that's like, it feels like that's what I've spent the last two fucking years learning mm -hmm. is how to see myself, love myself, work on the things that need to be worked on and be, be kind and loving to myself so that I can love someone else. Because, you know, there's that RuPaul quote was like, how the hell are you going to love anybody else when you can't love yourself? And then Lizzo's counterpart to that, being, I know that I can love myself because I love others. But that is also, those are two things that can be true. It still doesn't negate the fact that you have to love yourself. Mm -hmm. And you can't love yourself if you don't wholly see yourself. You can't belong if you don't know who you are. And this concept of wholeness just being so integral to living a what is Brene Brown called? Wholehearted life. Mm -hmm. Wholehearted. Jesus Christ, it's right there. It's all connected. It's all connected. It's so connected, in fact, that a while ago when you were saying, I don't remember exactly, but it was something along the lines of maybe you believe that we are all godly in some way mm -hmm. or- God is in all, God is, we are all God. Yes. So- she says that out loud. Immediately, I start, I pick up my phone and I start digging for this quote that I thought came from the Bible, but turns out it came from Liz Gilbert before we ever even started talking about Eat, Pray, Love and Liz. It's so cosmic. But the quote is, God dwells in you as you. So Elizabeth Gilbert, if you're not already listening, uh, hopefully somebody will send this to you and you can be part of our girl power. I think the universe is just going to drop us in her path I in some so. way. I think that mutual stardust, which we clearly share mm -hmm. with Jane, because what got me hooked on, okay, I got to listen to this episode, is when she says, we are all made of the same stardust. We are all made of the same cosmic dust. And you were like, ah, ah, she just, she just described mutual stardust. Literally. <laughs> I've been saying, uh, we've been saying. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I love it. It feels like connecting, 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 mm -hmm. connection, connecting. And isn't that interesting? Because she also talks about humanity and humans and people and our connection with nature and the world and each other. And Glennon talks about we have to move away from the single person family and move back to the human being family. Mm -hmm. We are all human beings. We are all family. We are all connected. And how in order to be whole, we have to be able to also, when we are whole, it enables us to have this bigger connection with yeah. other people and the rewarding feeling and the just the healthy divine feeling that you get when you find those people that you that you vibe with and she talks about men's um, relationships and and how they are socialized to be friends differently 
looking outward women yeah because it's two people sitting next to each other looking at something else outward and women relationships are more likely to be what we're doing here sitting across the table from each other Mm -hmm. eye to eye talking about the ugly shit and not how much we admire or appreciate something else because even when we are appreciating something else like Brene Brown or Liz Gilbert or or Glennon Doyle, it's because that person connects us back to ourselves mm-hmm. and makes us feel less alone. Yeah. And there's it's okay to to be alone because you can be whole and alone. Mm-hmm. But you can't stay alone. You have to be connected. Just and- like your body parts have to be connected. Yeah. Yeah. And we don't have to be tied to the idea. So many people hear you shouldn't be alone or it's not the best thing to be alone. God said it's not good for man to be alone. Yeah. And, you know, people hear that and right away think you have to be talking about a romantic partnership, a romantic relationship. But nobody ever said that. Nobody ever said it had to be that. There are all kinds of ways to not be alone. Right. And it's not, it's a misinterpretation too of, it's not holy. It's not, you can never be alone. You can't live Mm -hmm. alone. Yeah. You can't exist constantly alone. You cannot be an island no matter how hard you want to. You can't be an island Mm -hmm. because you will not survive. You have to have connection to other biospheres. We learned that in COVID, right? Yes. When we were all in our bubbles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's like the, what do they say when the um, the curse is the cure or something like that? Yeah. I don't know if that's exactly what you're reaching for, but it tracks. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's, a, it's, it's two things can be true. It's mm-hmm. that we need to be alone and we need to be whole, but we can't also be whole and be alone all the time. Mm-hmm. We have to be connected to be whole. What a catch 22 that shit is. Yeah. That's super fun for a Libra who just is like living life to, for the balance. Was that the movie that you told me that she carried around yes! a bag? Yes. <laughs> Again, I've seen this movie a billion times and I've never noticed that this bag that she has, she sets it down and it cuts right to the bag and it it's a it says Libra on it. And I was like, oh my God, as a Libra, that kind of hit me. Mm-hmm. And it makes sense for her character as well. But sheesh, can we talk about when... She says her voice got lower. Yeah. Do you remember? This has probably been four or five months ago. Hmm. I remember I was sitting at your counter at your house, your new house. And um, I was on TikTok and I found this TikTok that said how to connect with your. <laughs> I remember now. Your eyes just got so big. How to connect with your like best your authentic voice Mm -hmm. or your natural voice and this person was talking about how everyone always comments that they really like her voice and she uses she used this strategy that is commonly used it for actors and and everywhere to find your ideal voice or your authentic voice you just do this thing where you sigh and get in that lower register of your Mm -hmm. voice and just naturally speak there and how here comes Jane Fonda, Jane fucking Fonda talking about when she started speaking her truth and living in alignment with herself, her voice lowered. And that was when I, that was like, Oh fuck, there is something to that. Yeah. That's a thing. Because that's, I've known, and, and we both actually, we talked about this last week. Someone said, (laughs) <laughs> Someone said we both have very uh, soothing voices mm-hmm. or something like that. And we we both kind of have a, a bit of a lower register to our voice also and that our voices sounded kind of similar. Isn't that interesting? So one of us needs to get healthier so that when I listen, I can tell 
which one of us is talking. <laughs> because even when I, yeah, that's right. I listened to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Only about six or seven times, just for quality control. I can't always even tell which one of us is talking. So I think it's because we're both fucking whole mm-hmm. or working on being more whole. <gasps> so maybe we're where we are meant to be. Yeah. You know, and that's so, God, I just had this thought of when my voice gets really high and pitchy mm-hmm. is when I am wound the fuck up. Yeah. I'm upset or I'm protesting. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> And when I was in um, the play, there was this moment where there are a couple different moments where my character has to be like shouting stuff out or like, like very excitedly saying something and our director saying, okay, but I can't understand what you're saying because you are so high and you're, it is all running together. And I just can't understand that. Isn't that interesting? Mm -hmm. It's harder to understand someone and you get that whole Jack from. Um, Will and Grace. Oh yeah, when he like gets real upset and mm-hmm. gets real worked up, and is this? <laughs> or I'm not even a huge fan of Friends, but when Ross keeps yes. saying he's fine, I'm, I'm fine. fine. I'm fine. It's fine. 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 Yeah, isn't that interesting? Mm-hmm. How I go into my higher register when I am less integrated. Mm-hmm. How interesting. It's just nuts because all of this stuff has been there all along. It's, right. <laughs> like, why didn't we notice any of this stuff sooner? We couldn't see the forest for yeah. the trees. Thank you, Jane. Yeah, that's a nature. That's a reference to nature there too. I didn't know she was such an outdoorsy lady. I didn't either. And I love that. I also really vibe with being out in nature and that whole, this this concept of grounding coming from taking your shoes and socks off and your feet coming in contact with the mm-hmm. ground and reconnecting yourself with nature yeah. at, at the most it's literal basic grounding yes yeah and it's that's something i do with a lot of my clients is is sometimes we are just we just take walks outside we will go out and we will walk through whatever kind of wooded area we have access to. I love that about where I live now. Just going out and walking <sighs> in the country. The best little I have this long lane and I have this real cute little neighborhood with a creek back there. The creek is it for me. Mm-hmm. I miss it right now because it's too cold. Mm. I mean it's not too cold for someone who's committed enough to go out and walk anyway, but it's too cold for me. <laughs> we are not um afraid to be good with comfort. Yeah. Yeah. I lean in the direction of Glennon more <laughs> than I lean in the direction of Jane Fonda on this one. <laughs> you know what? It's spectrum. Mm-hmm. It's a spectrum. Oh, back to um, when we talked about costumes and acting, I can put on the costume of whatever version you want me to be. And I wrote getting into civic theater gave me a healthy outlet for that rather than living it in my daily life. I think so. It is kind of like scratching the itch for you. It is, but I think it goes back to if you're not healthy yourself, then it's not going to be a healthy outlet for you. Mm-hmm. And I sought out getting involved in civic. Well, pro- literally right before COVID was when I was I was doing it to uh, have a reason to get out of the house during winters to to battle seasonal depression. And a couple people had suggested to me get involved in civic theater. And it was single-handedly that probably the best thing that I could have done. I don't think I would have made it through COVID if it hadn't been for having spent the the previous 12 weeks with civic theater Mm -hmm. and being connected. And then COVID happened. And then a lot of things in my life happened. and. I have learned the importance of loving myself and being whole and being embodied. And that's when I, after this, after that really horrible breakup and I started getting, trying to find some of those ways to be whole and be connected without it being a codependent relationship, 
I think that's why for me it has been scratching that itch mm-hmm. because I've I've for the last 18 months, the previous 18 months, I had been working on integrating and embodying and loving myself so that I didn't <laughs> use it as a form of escaping myself out of hatred, but more out of exploration and to be connected in part of a community. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think an important thing that she pulls us back to over and over again during their conversation is she continues to say, I'm still doing this work. Mm-hmm. Like this is not a finished product mm. sitting in front of you. No. And it never will be. Mm-mm. That's that's not the point. You know, for me though, part of that is also I I want to make it clear. I love every version of myself. And I don't hate the person that I was or look down on or shame or ridicule the person that I was before. Mm-hmm. I might have been cringy. I'm not going to feel that way about myself. I still love that person. She still deserves respect and credit for the amount of work that she was doing. She was doing the best that she could with the tools that were available to her. Mm-hmm. And I'm never going to look back at the the version of myself that I was and go, you piece of shit. And maybe I, maybe some people think I should. I don't think I should because that is disembodying myself. Mm-hmm. You can't love yourself and hate a previous version of yourself. Yeah. That's cutting off a part of yourself. So yeah, I and I love who I am today and I'm proud of who I am today. And I also leave room for the fact that next year I'm going to be even better. Mm-hmm. And the year after that and the year after that, as long as we both shall live. <laughs> she says this thing, uh, Glennon, it's either Glennon or sister. I honestly can't tell because their voices are so, they do. so that freaking gets me similar. sometimes too. Um, where she says, is there a point in your life where you stopped trying to please your dad? <laughs> and uh, Jane was like, um, well, I mean, I, I, I don't know. And for me, I thought, and knowing damn well, my dad's probably listening to this. For me, it was when I realized it wasn't that important. Mm-hmm. Not that I don't care about what other people think about me or that I don't want to make my parents proud because I do, but I, I realize, and I'm not saying I got shit on anyone because I don't, I just know that for me, that's not a particular struggle that I have as much anymore because when I realized what pleases me is more relevant and more realistic than what pleases my father. Mm Mm-hmm. That gave me a lot of freedom to let go of that attempting external control. Mm -hmm. I also think it's interesting that you want to please your dad and how that also kind of ropes in the religious aspect of the father. Mm -hmm. What pleases the father? And I've done EMDR therapy to, to work on repairing some of that damage. And I'm glad you brought that up about her asking, was there ever a point when you stopped pleasing your father? And sister says, does it happen around 84? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. She, and she said, and another part for me was when I realized my parents are just fucking people just like everybody else just like henry fonda just like henry he's fonda. just a person my parents are just people and they're making shit up just like we are mm-hmm. as a parent i realize i'm just making shit up and so were my parents and mm-hmm. they did the best that they could with the knowledge that they had and then she says you see your parents frailty and you have compassion it wasn't about me mm-hmm my parent wasn't like this because of me. It was because of something that happened to them. And that takes me back to earlier in, in the episode when Glennon talks about 
her version of reborn being remember Mm -hmm. and how it's putting members back members of your body because the opposite you could argue would be dismember dismember right and you're remembering in order to repair Mm -hmm. and she says part of that is knowing who i am which means knowing who my parents are and i go generational trauma has entered the (laughs) chat And that's that's when she's Jane says we're all part of the same dust in the stars. Yeah, generational trauma never left the chat. It's ne- it's always been here. Y'all just realized they were sitting in the back of the room just knitting a sweater. But I think that's so that's legit. That is part of it, and we know that it's true because of science. Mm-hmm. We know that general generational trauma has an actual physical effect on the way that our DNA encodes. And she talked about going back to this whole thing with her mom Mm -hmm. where she had been, her mom had been abused as a child and then she was abused as a child. And in, and I remember when I started working at DCS, one of my supervisors said, you will find that children who have been sexually abused, their mothers were also more likely than not sexually abused. And her attributing it to, you know, maybe it's just because you weren't raised to know what your boundaries are or it being, putting you within that cycle puts you more likely to continue to perpetuate the cycle because that's all you knew. And I think you could speculate that if your mother has been abused or your father for that mm-hmm, matter, exactly. if your parental figure had been abused, And that led to them becoming disembodied. Mm. So then they were never able to love you as fully or completely as you needed. They're disembodied. They're floating around out there. They're not even aware of. And then maybe you sought that or you trusted that from other people who had not earned that trust Mm. from you. Mm -hmm. And then the cycle just regenerates itself. I also remember hearing this statistic during my DCS training where uh, child molesters or people who had had been predators specific to children could look at a group of children and Mm -hmm. pick out which ones had been, and not knowing them. It's not like they're picking out the people that they victimized. But you can sense some kind of vulnerability. And I think some of it is nurture. Mm -hmm. And some of it is nature. It changes our DNA. Trauma changes our DNA. I'm learning French right now, as discussed, Mm -hmm. because I've always been obsessed with French and didn't realize until I really put together the facts of the place that my ancestors came from was both German and French. Mm -hmm. It's all connected. It just got me. It's got me. Um, do you have anything that you really are dying to get to? Anything else? I didn't have a ton of notes because we got to get better about being clear with each other <laughs> which episodes we're doing. <laughs> because this happened last week mm-hmm. at the 11th hour. So- and we were about to start recording at that time. Yeah. This one, at least I knew a few hours before mm-hmm. that. We were not, in fact, doing the episode that I thought we were doing. If I hadn't been on Instagram looking at our whole new podcast thing, I was like, oh, wait, I thought we were doing this one episode. (laughs) I mean, I could have riffed on Jane Fonda. I can riff on Jane Fonda for days. (laughs) It's still still valid. I've almost gotten through this entire conversation without mentioning her in 9 to 5 with Dolly Parton. So much stardust. And again, like... She was holding back so much and was still such an icon. Mm. And her activism during the Vietnam War, people despised her. There's a whole fucking conspiracy Mm -hmm. theory out there about how Jane Fonda led to the execution of American soldiers who were prisoners of war because she revealed their names or something. 
She there just, are people that legitimately still believe that's true today. She talks about, I've been under bombs. I've been shot at. This woman is gutsy. And that wasn't what scared her. Mm-hmm. What scared her was being whole. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, chew on that. <laughs> and Glennon points out, it seems like you've been going toward the things that breaks your heart. And Jane was like, do I? Mm-hmm. And Glennon's like, yeah, you do this thing. You did this thing. You did that thing. And Jane says this thing about maybe it's narcissistic that I just think that like this is a problem and I'm going to be the one to solve it. I don't think it's narcissism. I think it's empathy. She really is the twoest two that ever toed. <laughs> It's empathy. It's, I experienced that thing. And I don't want other people to have to do it Mm -hmm. or deal with it or for it to affect their health in the way that it affected mine. And so I'm going to be involved. And she talks about, I want to die knowing that I did everything I could to affect climate change. Not, I want to die knowing that I fixed climate change. And... Y'all, we've talked a lot about how important it is to get your act together and become whole, but she makes sure to pull the rug right out from under us. And she says, don't wait to do- Oh, get out of my fucking notes, Emily. Yeah, don't wait to do the work for social justice, for climate change, for all of these things. You can't wait. We don't have time. It's a toxic flaw to want to be perfect, and we're only going to be disappointed. Yeah. Direct quote. And then Glennon also says, we don't not start just because it feels too overwhelming. Mm-hmm. We don't have time. We, we don't, don't have, have time. time for us to be whole before we start the work. I don't have to do the whole job. I just have to do as much as I was capable of. Mm-hmm. That idea of perfection being the goal, it's not but perfection is not the goal. That's toxic. Yeah. You can't, no one is perfect. And even if you tried to be perfect, you're setting yourself up for disappointment. I thought about this earlier when we were talking about how crucial it is to know yourself. I mean, know yourself within reasonable expectations of none of us can ever really fully see no. or know ourselves. Some things are unknowable. Yeah. Yeah. Some questions we are never going to have answers for. And if you, if what you're trying to do is know your whole complete, every single cellular instinct I've ever had, you're just, you're burrowing so deep into your head, you'll Mm -hmm. never find your way out. Yeah. And that's when you're in an echo chamber. Yeah. You have to have, and she talks about activism. You need to join a group. But then that for me, I'm also like, but not an echo chamber. You have to have those different perspectives to be whole, mm-hmm. to keep yourself from being in an echo chamber, whether it's the one in your own head or a circle of people who all believe the same things and all talk about the same things and don't, aren't ever going to challenge each other because conflict is uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. That you're, you're not going to be whole. It takes all kinds. Um, I really loved that she talked about when Glennon asked, or his sister, they're one and the same. Asked, what kind of words of advice do you? Oh, maybe it was Abby actually that said, "What words of advice do you?" I have think it was Abby. Children, and she said, "Forget about what will make you rich. Forget, figure out what will make you happy." I listened to this this morning as I was rolling into my job, and I walked into my job thinking. Again, it goes back to we don't come into this world with all the baggage that we have. We do it to ourselves. I literally just had this conversation with someone the other day. Yeah. We do it to ourselves. All the things that we feel the greatest amount of stress over, we created. Our society created it and we are just rolling right along. Mm -hmm. We don't start out as evil. Mm -hmm. Evil happens over the course of our life. And we don't start out as broken. Right. We start out whole. Mm Mm-hmm. And we get break dismembered. Into, yes. Mm-hmm. And break ourselves into smaller pieces that 
are more easily digestible by other people. Mm -hmm. And one of my favorite quotes being, stay whole and let them choke. Oh, I like that. Oh, it's one of my fucking favorites. (laughs) Stop breaking yourself into little pieces. Stay whole and let them choke. Uh, Final thought. I love that she brought up the Desmond Tutu quote about at some point we have to stop pulling people out of the river and we have to look upstream to Mm -hmm. see what's pushing them in. That's getting to the root of the problem. That is a whole behavior plan. Yeah. That is the tool that keeps you asking questions for more, like the Enneagram, like the love languages. Yeah. You don't just continue. You don't spend your whole life pulling people out of the river. Without don't settle for to, the symptoms. Yes. Get to the cause, mm-hmm. the root cause. And I really think that's what this is all about. That's what We Can Do Pod Things is about, is we have these jumping off points and we're not satisfied with just that. Mm-hmm. We want to know more. And we want to see how we can apply it to ourselves. Do you have any final thoughts? I think I've asked you that about five times now. <laughs> so I keep no having pressure. final thoughts. Well, <laughs> oh, just, I'm just putting it out there into the universe. Thank you for giving us Jane Fonda. She's yes. an oracle. She's an inspiration. And she's also so very human and relatable. Yes. yes Can that- we go to Washington and march with her on a, Fire Drill Friday, please. Uh, it's virtual. There's going to be a virtual one. No, so but I want to. I want oh, like an be, actual. I want yeah. to be there. I want to. Can I you imagine be where Jane Fonda? Is. I really do. Like, I want to be able to tell my grandkids because she really is that much of a historical historical figure. Yeah. In the causes that she has consistently advocated for, I want to be able to tell my grandkids someday. I marched with Jane Fonda. God, that is that is our generation's. Mm-hmm. I marched with. Martin Luther King Jr. Yeah, maybe that's a little bit of a stretch, MLK, but uh, but I, get, I mean, yeah, maybe a tiny. It's they're not perfect. It's yeah, it's it's difficult to compare those two, and that might be a little tricky. But I mean, she's so freaking fantastic. We want in our atmosphere because we attract what we give out. Yeah. So we want to attract and be in the same biosphere. Yeah. As Jane Fonda. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for listening to this a little bit extra longer episode. Uh, please do not hesitate to send us an email. Um, like us on Instagram, comments on our posts. If you would like to rate our podcast, we are on Apple Podcasts. We are on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Zencaster. We would love to hear from you. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you, guys.